DiscerningHearts.com presents The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. Father Wick is the Jesuit priest of the central and southern province of the United States. He currently acts as a retreat master at the White House Jesuit Retreat Center in St. Louis, Missouri. He also serves as a spiritual director at Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis. The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Boy, the paradigm, that's the word, the paradigm shift. It's in how we we have to have a gut check on how we're looking at things. We can say, oh, this is such a great good. I'm doing such good. Aren't I good for doing that good? And that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah, I think the true good is we, we should always in the, rejoice in the thing, good things that are happening or someone may be affected by something I said or did. But like always turn that back to the Lord in gratitude. So we can appreciate uh, something happening there, but it's not about my doing it. It's about the Lord doing it through and with me. So again, back to the the call of the king, you see how, how practical these things are, that I'm doing this with Jesus. So if somehow anything I speak here is meaningful to your audience, like praise the Lord. I mean, I, I just give glory to Jesus that he somehow used this weak instrument to speak to someone's heart. And I think anybody who listens also will will realize that it's the Lord convicting them of something. It's the Lord like leading him into a new vision of reality. So we'll both give praise to the Lord and not uh, get stuck on the messenger, but we'll get just rejoice that, wow, the Lord can use me in ways that are just beyond my imagining. And, and I think too, in, in marriage, it obviously takes three to get married. It takes that the, the Holy Spirit to keep loving my spouse with a new love, to keep that relationship anew and fresh. And each spouse has to have their own prayer life. And then when they're, when they're solid in their prayer life, they have more to offer each other. So there should be some common prayer between spouses, but also there's an individual prayer life that each spouse has that has to be radically centered in the Lord so that the branches, if you will, of these two trees that are straight up, like they intertwine beautifully of a husband and wife. And so that's the invitation. So it doesn't point to my spirituality, uh, anything that would do so <laughs> would be a trick of the, the evil one where I kind of have a sense of how spiritual I am or I'm comparative towards others. That's coming from a place of insecurity. I, I don't think any of us know how spiritual we are. I don't think we're given to know that. I, I think only the Lord, that that's reserved for the Lord. We just know that we're called to fall more and more in love, to allow that love to overwhelm us and to respond out of love. And I think that's plenty for us to uh, process and live from in itself. I think it's a really tough thing, and I, I'll have to put myself in those numbers. I'm going to use some strong language, and please forgive me if I offend anybody listening, but sometimes I think we enjoy seeing the sins others are committing in regards to we look at them and go, oh, look at them. They're such sinners. Oh, I knew that. Oh, watch them. I yeah. We almost enjoy it. I know that sounds strange, because it's it's almost self-satisfying. Well, look, I am, I'm not that way. But boy, look at them. We kind of revel in that, if we're honest, in the fact that we're not them. And yet, that's not the Christ-like response. I mean, part of that is to let go of that and say, have mercy on them with a sincere heart. 
with a sincerity that's tragic. And it doesn't necessarily feed a good feeling in me to want to do that for the person. I think we see that in political conversations these days. We see that in even religious conversations these days. And we definitely see it in social media. For some of us, may be slightly addicted to. Again, I say that out of all reverence because sometimes we just don't even realize what we're doing, right, Father? Yes. So that desire to compare myself, it's a its a sugar substitute for the fact that I don't know myself in the Lord. And not knowing myself stable in the Lord, it becomes more and more important how I stand in comparison with others. And it, it's a, a shallow self-affirmation that at least I'm not like this person. Whereas a, a healthier, more balanced attitude would be, but for the grace of God, go I. Maybe I do see some objective reality that's that's very wrong or the way a person is acting or but nonetheless I surrender them to the Lord's mercy and for the Lord's mercy to to work on them and I've realized myself that I have plenty of of humiliations that happen to me too. I, I try like in my own life. When I'm humiliated by something from humiliations come humility. So when I do something that's kind of off or whatnot, I try to remember that in the sense of it's kind of like stepping on a plank that may whack me in the face. <laughs> but it's like a reminder that, you know, when I think that I'm alone doing this or there's something special about me or that I'm quite the donkey or something, like it's Jesus riding me. It's not, people aren't applauding for, they're not laying down their palm branches for the, for the ass. They're, they're doing it for Jesus. And so when a humiliation happens and I misunderstand something. I try to hold on to that to remember like how weak I am without Jesus. It's not to beat myself up at all, but just like it it gives even more glory to God that he uses this weak instrument in in some beautiful ways. And then I don't need this shallow comparison. That's a good good example though of how the evil spirit tricks us into a sense of self because at least I'm not like that person. So I'm always instead of looking towards Jesus as the king of my life that I want to fall more and more in love with, I'm looking around at the fellow disciples, like who's the greatest amongst us? It's amazing that right to the very end of Jesus's life, they're still wondering who's going to be greater in the kingdom of heaven. He has to give them this example. And at the last supper, like a foot washing, he's going to take the lowest place of slaves. That was the place for the lowest of the slaves. Even there's categories within, within uh, among slaves of, of what roles you played. And so the lowest of the low would, would be doing the foot washing for the, for the guests and for the, the master. And so Jesus takes that role and said, if you're, if you want to be greatest, here's the way to do it. So be like me. It's a foot washing. So obviously the opposite of foot washing is kind of a gossipy, a comparative attitude, but it's coming from an insecurity. So rather than uh, despair about, I do tend to compare myself with others, put the focus, we should put the focus on, okay, how do I overcome that? that need to compare, that felt need to compare. We don't have a, need, a true need to compare, but I have a felt need occasionally to compare myself to others. And what's what's the source of that? I would say it's always insecurity. I'm not stable enough in the Lord. And so it's becoming important how I measure up to others. St. Ignatius will say, you can be sure the more critical you are of others or the more noticing you are of their defects, the less observant you are mm-hmm. of your own. Let myself be purified by the Lord. Let myself bask in his graces. Give me his love and his strength. And then I can surrender those people around me and to the Lord in his mercy that he can transform them too. He never gives up on anyone and he'll never stop loving no matter you could commit a billion mortal sins. And yet that will not change God's love for you. It's so amazing that God 
is still working to cajole that soul into a yes, to just start to give a yes. No matter how deep in darkness they've chosen to be, God has never given up uh, on this soul and is going to try to find another way to uh, elicit a yes from a soul even like St. Augustine before his conversion and, and many other saints that uh, were completely caught up in darkness, the good thief on the cross. So uh, the Lord never gives up. We can't ever stop the Lord's love for us, no matter how sinful and selfish I may become. I'm made for something greater, and God is constant in his love. So keeping the focus there on the on the vertical, if you will, uh, will alleviate that, that temptation to look at the horizontal and compare myself. I feel spiritual compared to other people. I feel holy compared to other people. That really revolves, it's a trickery that revolves around the eye. The eye places itself back at the center. I guess we shouldn't be surprised, should we, that in the second week that Ignatius would actually address the issue of humility and how to be humble. Yes, yes. So let's go there for a bit. Let's delve into the two standards here. So first, St. Ignatius is going to say, let's ponder how Satan acts with us and how he tempts us in these ways. So he imagines the headquarters for Satan around Babylon, huh? that place where you could say man tried to domesticate God, tried to have conversation with God on an equal level, building a tower that would reach up to the skies and that God couldn't even destroy. Kind of like we, when the Titanic was built, it was thought that it could never sink or break apart and and that it was a ship even God couldn't sink. And it's not that God did sink, the, but the pride with which it was built, huh? It collided with the iceberg. It did so. So sad that tragedy. But so Babylon, with all its worldly glory and vanity, is Satan's center. You shall be as gods. Huh? It's going to be his mantra. So there's a two-part schema here again, not unlike the the call of the king. So in the first part, Satan. He has Saint Ignatius says, imagine Satan uh, seated on a great high chair of fire and smoke. So he's impressively horrible. He's terrifying at the same time. He's very powerful, and the power itself is attractive to the human being to control things around me, to be as gods. And Satan, St. Ignatius says, issues a summons to all his fellow fallen angels, these demons, to go to every town and city, and to each person in particular, you and me too, Chris, to enchain us. That's so interesting, huh? To bind us by the desires of the flesh first. So first, we long for creature comforts, riches, creature comforts, and which we think will bring us happiness. Boy, how true that is in the world, huh? So that's the first temptation, sensuality. This will in turn lead us to vanity. I have an undue concern about how the world views me. I want people to praise me for all the stuff I've accumulated or all of the accolades I've received, the trips I go on, look at my Facebook page. Uh, it's amazing my life compared to other people. So that's a vanity, a undue concern about what others think of me. Uh, and that can happen also for a priest, for instance, like I'm concerned when I give a homily, how people are seeing me. That's a source of vanity. Um, and vanity leads to pride. Pride that the greatest of the capital sins, this overweening sense of self. So riches or sensuality and love of creature comforts leads to vanity. I'm finding some security in this compared to others, which leads to pride, sensuality, vanity to pride. That's customarily how Satan tempts all of us. That's a fascinating insight of St. Ignatius, so insightful for looking at all the capital sins, but kind of summarizing there 
summarizing them in terms of sensuality, which leads to vanity and pride. So we're invited to kind of think about that. How does that play out in our personal lives? Uh, to pray, to pray with that. How did it play out in Jesus's life? So again, say Satan will come to Jesus and he'll first say, "You're hungry, man. You know, you're starving. You have You've been fasting for forty days. Look at that rock. It's the perfect size of a loaf of bread. Just ask, and you can turn that into some bread. You need to sustain yourself. Sensuality. Think about yourself. And Jesus, no, not on bread alone. This man lived, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He points to the Father." vanity. Throw yourself down from this, the temple mount there in the southeast corner, and that will impress people. You'll get your ministry started. It's important how people see you. And Jesus, no, uh, don't tempt the Lord your God. He points back to the Father. And then pride, huh? a quick bow to me, Jesus, and I'll, I'll surrender the keys. I'm the prince of this world. You even say so. I'll give you the complete victory with a quick bow. And Jesus is like, no, the Father, the Father, the Father. So Satan always is trying to tempt Jesus to focus on himself. And Jesus instead is constantly focused on the Father. His center is always in the Father. He's eccentric. And ex from and center, his center is always away from himself in the Father. He is a man in love. He is a, uh, this is the Son of God made flesh. You and I will only find ourselves in being uh, in love. So, all right. So, this, that's the temptation of Satan. And so creature comforts, uh, by the way, in religious life, there's a lot of temptations for little ways of taking a trip or maybe pocketing some money or things like that. Poverty, St. Ignatius says, is the bulwark of the religious life. So it's the protecting bulwark of the religious life. And that will be the first to be attacked by Satan. It's the first to go pocket money on the side. People may give me uh entitled to do certain things with money sent my way. We've seen some good priests and religious recently, very popular ones, uh, that have first fallen, uh, allowed poverty to kind of be broken down. And then one thing leads to another. And then unfortunately, we read about them in the papers. It's so sad and scandalous. But that's that's the common way Satan works with us. So we do have to watch all kinds of things like my wardrobe. Do I keep allowing new things to be brought in there? Or do each time I add something, I subtract something also? <laughs> Am I, am I living a certain simplicity of life? Um, that's that's the invitation, not to keep needing more and more things to live a higher and higher standard of living. That's that's the danger. Okay, so that that's a summary of Satan's standard. For all those under his standard, they are bound in chains. Jesus says, he who sins is a slave of sin. So the more we're caught up in sensuality, vanity, and pride, the more we are enchained by them. And I can't do without it. it. The more I need sensuality, I need fine comforts. I need fine wines, Chris. I can't just have any kind of wine. It has to be a special cap. It has to be um, I, my my clothes, my vestments, whatever. They they need to be nicer and nicer. Huh? I, I would never lower my standard of living. I would only increase it. I would never choose downward mobility as Jesus did. I, I need more and more. These kind of things, I need more and more accolades. I, I want to be esteemed by human beings. Um, that vanity, and that eventually I think well of myself and I think highly of myself and the way I think and act and wish other people could be like me, of course, which is a self-exaltation, which will eventually lead to my downfall. We'll return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises with Father Anthony Wick in just a moment.
Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. As you go back on that, it did kind of take my breath away. Even those who feel like they're in service to the Lord, it can be very seductive. We are surrounded 24-7 by marketing, Father. You can even be watching a, a holy program or something online that you're reading something that is very edifying and pop, here comes something that tells you you need more. Here's a deal, and we can give you special financing. And we can make it very easy for you to have this one thing. You really deserve it. I don't think we appreciate just how seductive that is. Yes. One of the greatest problems of that seduction is that it it eviscerates relationship. So you and I are made for a relationship from the time we're an infant receiving our father or mother beckoning over us, eliciting a smile. We're made for a relationship. That's the only thing that truly satisfies. But all these these other seductive temptations are a replacement for a relationship. And and indeed, they are tempting. They are tempting. And so not knowing myself in the Lord, not knowing myself in an ever deeper daily relationship that I need to enter into, it's more and more tempting to, to feel that need for what other people are enjoying, what they think they're entitled to, uh, to enter into that culture of entitlement, ever greater, yeah, the sensuality, you know, I just have more and more things so that I, I feel good about myself. I at least have the temporary satisfaction. And yet the consequence again, Chris, you know, the, the reward is there for the things I buy, the things I have sent to me. And then, but the consequence is that I don't, it doesn't make me happy long-term. It doesn't make me deeply joyful. It doesn't make me more loving. Uh, it's a, it's a sugar substitute that eventually makes me kind of sick to the stomach. I know. I'll keep needing either more sugar or I will stop, you know, and begin to eat healthy food. 
which may be a good lead into um, Jesus's standard, which is going to be the opposite of Satan's, of course. Um, his is going to be focused on relationship. He, uh, interestingly enough, St. Ignatius has him, the location for which he rallies his troops is the lowly plain around Jerusalem. Huh? The lowly plain. So there's something humble about Jesus. St. Therese of Lisieux tells us that she thought like Jesus would be waiting for her on a mountaintop, but he was actually waiting for her, she found out, in the fertile valley of humility. <laughs> That's where Jesus is waiting for you and me, Chris, and all, all of us. The fertile valley of humility. That's where he wants to have the encounter. So you and I have to practice downward mobility instead of this needing more, falling into the advertisements and this felt need. They're trying to like stimulate a false need in you and me. But no, we need to practice downward mobility, the opposite of which uh, Jesus invites us to. So he wants to meet us in those lowly, those, if you will, needy places in our lives uh, waiting for us. So Jesus, you could say, is not as impressive as Satan is, but he is beautiful and he's inviting, says St. Ignatius. He's beautiful and inviting. He invites the soul to a free following of him rather than enchaining the soul with selfish pleasures. Jesus beckons many persons to him, St. Ignatius says, apostles, disciples, you and I, and then sends them forth to spread his secret doctrine and invite all men and women into this kingdom of freedom and love. So here we're having fleshed out the, the call of the king. Like, so how do we live this experience with Jesus? Well, we're drawn into his heart. We're drawn into this personal relationship with him. And then he's going to send us out to spread his sweet doctrine huh? and invite all men and women into this new freedom experience of living in the love of Christ. So what we see here that's a pivotal change here now is, is that the service, as we read and as we studied and pondered in the principle and foundation that we're called to the praise, reverence, and service of God, that praise, reverence, and service of God becomes synonymous now with the helping of souls. How interesting. To praise, reverence, and serve God, I want to draw others into that praise, reverence, and service of God. Jesus is going to send us out, St. Ignatius says. He's going to draw us to himself. He's going to build a relationship, and he's going to send us out to draw others into that free following of him and to give a testimony for our faith, which I would argue is the greatest need in the church today is to for people all lay people to learn a language for the faith what difference does the faith make to me what difference does it make when i go to confession when i go to mass and to share that with others in their own simple words to draw other people to experience this cleansing this nourishing of god this intimacy with god that they're finding which doesn't point to them it just points to the goodness of god that is so key that we learn that language so that we can speak the faith. We can no longer keep the faith. You could argue we need to share it. We need to spread it. So that's the. So Jesus um, sends us out um, to draw others into his company. How does he build that relationship first with us, though? So he invites us into spiritual poverty. That is detachment from all things of the earth. If the Lord asked you or made Chris to give up anything, we should be willing. Uh, that's detachment or spiritual poverty. You don't cling to anything. So 
all things we know are meant to be used uh, as a means to an end, which is the reverential praise and service of God. So we're open to living life as Christ invites us to live it. But we're all called the spiritual poverty, detachment. Um, we're to let go of all these things. So that's that's really critical. Um, there's a funny story, but uh, with some truth about it, about a man who is so attached to his wealth that upon his death, he has all of his money converted into stacks of $100 bills, which he puts in the attic. And and his wife asks him, like, what are you doing with that? He's like, well, I've, you know, with this diagnosis of ter terminal illness I just received, I know I'm going to die, but I want to pick it up on my way. And she's like, all right, well, I hope that works for you. And of course, the man dies, as we all do. And uh, she goes up into the attic to see if those stacks of $100 bills are still there. And sure enough, they're all there. And she says to herself, I told him he should have put those in the basement. <laughs> Be that as it may, this this attachment, huh? So he invites us to spiritual poverty, which you can see, Chris, is the opposite of this attachment to material things, this clinging uh, that we have to material things. And then this leads us to the second step, what Jesus invites us to. As our king, we have to desire to be misunderstood at times, huh? to have some humiliations, because from humiliations comes humility. Sometimes that'll be insults even, Chris. I'll experience some contempt uh, by someone for my life of trying to follow Jesus. So practically speaking, um, you could say that if if someone came to me, I tell sometimes the retreatants here at White House, if you don't have some people who don't like you, if you don't have some enemies in your life, that's not a good sign. <laughs> There's some you're not being a real testimony to Jesus. Like if everybody likes you, it's like, uh oh, you know, Jesus says that that shouldn't be the case. If I'm not considered foolish by some people or I don't know, holier than thou, although I should never give occasion for it. Uh, if I fit in too well with the world, everybody likes Father Anthony. That is not a good sign, you know? There's something not Jesus-like about me, that everybody thinks the world of me. There's something there that Jesus is inviting me to embrace insults, contempt, opprobrium, misunderstandings, some of the sufferings he received, being considered, as we know, a glutton, a drunkard. At one point, they, his family members, some of his extended family, calls him out of his mind. They're going to go rescue him from his ongoing ministry because he must be out of his mind. They just can't uh, believe everything that he's doing and that he's showing himself to be the son of God. Okay, so that's the second step. So that's the opposite of vanity. Vanity being the undue concern about what others think of me. Jesus is in, under his standard is the opposite. No, don't worry about what people think of you. Actually invite and ask the Lord to receive insults well or misunderstandings or opprobrium. Lastly, Whereas Satan will lead us to pride, Jesus, of course, will lead us to humility and from there to all the other virtues. When one chooses to experience Jesus's life after desiring the insults and opprobrium or that scornful reproach, from all this comes humility, St. Ignatius says. Humility, the root of all the other virtues. Homos is the Latin word for earth. And so the Lord is leading us into a recreation. So we're made from the earth, we have a double origin from the earth. Um, wisely says Hans Urs and Balthasar, from the earth, we're made from the earth, but we're also, God breathes into us a life-giving spirit. 
and wants to continually refashion us uh, from the earth, humus, and yet breathing into us his life-giving spirit. That's the relationship experience. It's very secure to stay within the, uh, the bandera or the, the under the standard of Jesus in relationship. Relationship comes first. Um, I believe I'd mentioned this already, but really emphasizing from the priestly formation of our seminarians that relationship comes before identity, which comes before mission. So relationship is first to know myself and God. From that, I discover my true identity. And from my identity, I can receive my mission and carry it out. But it all starts and with relationship. And to live in that relationship, that must go ever deeper. So you can see there how the two stratagems of Satan and Jesus are counterposed exactly, you know, point by point. And it's a drama that's acted out, reenacted constantly on the world stage and in my own life. And I have to ask questions like, what what parts of my life are, are a little bit under Satan's standard? Do you know what ways do I slip into sensuality, a, a love for creature comforts, a certain entitlement for this kind of ice cream, not that kind of ice cream, for this kind of meat, not that? Or where do I, where do I allow the sensual pleasures to play a, a dominant role in my life? Um, or where do I have undue concern about uh, how others see me? Uh, to give you a practical story, Chris, when, I, when I'm giving a talk or a homily, it's important for the priest to, to be a convex, not concave. So this is a geometric, uh, if you like geometry. But in, if I'm concave, I'm like this, this register. I'm like this um, satellite dish. It's registering, how is everybody perceiving me? Do they like Father Anthony? Do they think he's smart or funny or insightful or whatnot? And that is not my true self. I'm registering, how are people perceiving me? I'm looking at their faces. Are they connecting with me? That's a big concern for me. And all of a sudden, I start to perform in my talk or my homily. And, and that's exactly what I don't want to do because I'll be drawing attention to myself. I'm supposed to be like John the Baptist, pointing beyond myself to Jesus. On the other hand, Chris, I can make an actual choice, a deliberate choice to pop out, if you will, and to be convex and to love on all my listeners, to love on them, to see the good. I might not know them from Adam, <laughs> but I know that they're good people and I want to love on them with the love of God. When I'm loving on the people in front of me, I forget myself. It's so amazing. And the Holy Spirit can like, like he like inspires me with words that are coming through to them. Um, and, and they're, you know, struck by things that I wasn't even planning to say, frankly. And then when they reflect back sometimes what things I said, I didn't even remember saying a couple of those things, but, but that's, that's when I'm my true self, when I'm convex, not concave. Oh, I think, I think that's very generous of you to share that with us because it speaks of vulnerability, doesn't it? As you said, we don't want to rush out and find ways to be humiliated or to foster a climate of humiliation that would, could fall upon us. But when they do come along, because we're acting out of maybe a hopeful and a, a serious virtue, I mean, that's when it authentically occurs. Am I overthinking it or overstating it, Father? Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I'm, I'm glad you drew attention to that uh, because St. Ignatius does say, we never give occasion for that, for the humiliation. I don't humiliate myself or try to act like a fool so that I'll be esteemed a fool like Jesus was. No, no, none of that. 
I have to be vulnerable. I think you said it. Uh, I have to be vulnerable and love on the people in front of me. And as I do so, I'm actually pointing to what enthralls me, my own journey of faith, how I'm enthralled by God, how I'm learning more about God, how much I don't know <laughs> should come through in that loving on others and pointing to the source of wholeness. I don't claim to be whole myself at all. I'm not talking down to people. I'm pointing them towards Jesus. I feel sent out by Jesus very much this experience of uh, this relationship, which has so much more room for growth, my personal relationship with Jesus. But I'm telling you, it's life-giving. And I'm pointing people to that, that source of life. I'm pointing them to him. And so in a way, I'm, I'm sharing my own brokenness too. I'm sharing that I, I don't have it all together. That it is a temptation always to be concave instead of convex. That's my own silly imagery, but it works for me in my mind. And there's always a temptation to self-reflect. How are people perceiving me or whatnot? But that's always from a place of insecurity. And the Lord wants me just to love on these people and point them towards love, the source of love. And there's a wonderful image in the, the Chosen of Mary Magdalene who, who explains to Nicodemus her whole life story. And I think it's a good model for us of how to spread the faith, which is, I once was one way, she says to him. I'm now completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So the Lord keeps changing you and me, Chris. We, we are messy. We are one way. I tend to respond this way. I tend to respond angrily. I tend to be frustrated. I tend to drive too quickly. What that? I'm now completely different. The Lord, when I invite the Lord in there and ask him to help with this, it really changes my attitude, my way of doing things. So it's a good prayer for a priest to begin mass or to begin any sacrament with this prayer of humility. And they're, they're actually rubrics for vesting and whatnot, which are prayers of humility to humble myself so that I'm praying with the people. I'm praying the mass. I'm praying the sacrament humbly and being edified by others who are approaching it humbly. This is very powerful, but it's also very difficult. Uh, but it's really necessary. I think we desire it in our hearts, don't we? Ultimately, it's one of those crazy things that it may not give you a uh, joyful feeling, and I use the word joy very carefully. I don't, I don't mean the the more interior Marian-like joy, but somehow it it's very satisfying to the heart, isn't it? I mean, it's even in the in the space of possible suffering. Yes, yes, truly satisfying. That's absolutely right. Yes, it really it fills our heart. It it fills it uh, with goodness. And the more I give away, the more I can receive. It's amazing. I become a vessel that's poured out. And the more I'm poured out, the more I receive. So it's paradoxical. The more I'm a lover towards others, the more I can receive the divine love, uh, which continues to fill me and and pour out through me. And yeah, I, I find myself for who I have always been created to be, which is uh, loving with the divine love, drawing others into that divine love, receiving the divine love through them. Many people love me with, with God's love also. And to receive and to bask in that love only just what? It fills my heart evermore when I'm loved by someone else um, with that kind of divine love uh, that comes from God. And it, it wants me to give of myself yet more. When you're, when you're filled with love, with this tremendous, the greatest of gifts, I want to do nothing else but love. When I'm, when I'm overflowing with love, I just want to love. Uh, Mary, the one full of grace, the model human being, overflowing like a spring full of grace. When she hears about her cousin Elizabeth with alacrity, she 
runs. Uh, she's just in haste, uh, heads this several-day journey to the hill country of Jerusalem, the Ark of the Covenant that she is, which parallels, wow, in all kinds of details, the story of, of David and the Ark and bringing the Ark back. But she, she responds by giving of herself. The more she's filled with love, the more she just wants to love on others. And so she does. As a matter of fact, uh, bringing Mary into this, I, I'll conclude this this section here with St. Ignatius says that we ought to ask the Lord to take us under his standard and first ask Our Lady, he says. Ask Our Lady. Uh, isn't that beautiful? Our Lady. So remember that St. Ignatius was trained in the art of chivalry so meticulously that, and then he realized all these desires I have to win the hand of this, this woman high in the court of Spain. Like, I can now see that our Lady, I want to live my life for her, to live my to to integrate all those aspects of my life, uh, sexuality included, towards a service of her, towards uh, her praise. She wants to be the one I want to to honor and serve. So he says, invite, ask Our Lady to obtain for us the grace from her Son to be received under His His standard. So Jesus loves to hear the prayers of His His mother. We have the example of the Old Testament of the power of the queen mother over the king. And so he says, pray to Hail Mary for this grace, that she would pray for us, pray for you to receive that grace from her son to be received under his standard, which is a complete grace to be received under Jesus' standard. So it's also interesting, isn't it, Chris, that it's not so much I choose the standard as I'm received under that standard. I desire to be received under that standard. There's something receptive even in that. To be brought under the standard of Jesus is an incredible grace for Father Anthony. It's not like, oh, Father Anthony made a good choice on his own by a force of will. No, it's a, it's I'm being received under that. I do desire that, but the Lord, in His supreme mercy and grace, allows me to be received under the standard of Jesus. So the Father gives me this wonderful grace, and then He says, after asking our Blessed Mother to intercede for you to receive this grace from her son, go ahead and make that request directly of Jesus and pray that soul of Christ prayer. This is the Anima Christi that St. Ignatius made popular. For a while, we thought that he wrote that prayer. It turns out we, we find it before him, but he did make it popular in that church. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Very intimate prayer. Beautiful prayer, by the way, to pray right after the, receiving the Eucharist. So ask this request of Jesus to be taken under his standard, to be received under his standard, Pray the soul of Christ prayer, and then go to the Father, God the Father, and dialogue with God the Father, begging the grace to be taken under the standard of his Son, to be reformed, to be re-plasmated, re like put soft clay in, in the image, in his perfect image, namely his Son. And so St. Ignatius prayed that, and that was actually the when he had the mystical experience as he was coming into Rome in a little, little chapel called La, La Storta, um, that's where I began my religious life. Was right near La Storta. There was a, the house of formation of the Casa Baltasar was right near La Storta. But anyway, he has this mystical experience of the Father asking the Son to take Saint Ignatius under His cross, under His standard. And so he knew that the Lord would be fruitful to him, but in the cross. So I think that would be a good place to conclude. Reflecting on this grace, we're requesting of the Lord to be intimate with him, to be taken under his standard, and to be severed from that standard of Satan constantly wants to play its way into my life, but only 
is a shallow substitute, a sugar substitute for what is truly real and life-giving. It's also powerful, Father Anthony. I, just as a just as a footnote, again to the listener who is really taking all of this in, and I'm sure will go back and listen over and over again, and to be able to receive, it's like receiving from a fire hydrant in some ways. What would you have them do in the quiet of their home, or the quiet of their car, or wherever they can go to have that time to process? Excellent. That's a great question, Chris. Thank you for that. I would say this. I would say open up your hands. Let's see. I guess you're driving, so maybe you can't do that. But uh, open up your heart. Uh, I, I personally find it helpful if I'm not driving to close my eyes, open up my hands in a Marian gesture, maybe put them on my lap with open hands, and ask the Lord to show you. Lord, please show me. So I make it personal. Show me ways in which I cling to ways under Satan's standard. In other words, I, where where do you see, Lord? You have the objective view. Where do you see that I cling to creature comforts? It has to be just so. Where are you inviting me to let go? Huh? Where do I have an undue concern about what others think of me? I'd like you to convict my heart. The Holy Spirit, St. John tells us in his gospel, convicts our hearts of sin, the ways in which Father Anthony clings to something for or a temporary security, but not a true security. And I ask that you convict that. So sensuality, vanity, pride, show me that as you see it, Lord. And this is not to beat myself up, but so that I can surrender it to your mercy. His mercy is so much greater than our sin. So thank you for pointing these things out to me. Lord, I ask that you give me your heart, your spirit, to receive instead your heart, which to be taken under your standard, to be received under your standard, of detachment, so spiritual poverty, to inviting, to embrace the humiliations that come my way, and thus to humility. So, Lord, I want to receive more of you by doing what? By letting go of that to which I cling. So show me what my inordinate attachments are, Jesus. Please show me in terms of sensuality, vanity, and pride. And I ask you to release me. Let go, Help my hands to let go of that to which they cling so that I can receive more of you in relationship and experience true freedom. Let that be an experience, a receptive experience, a Marian experience of letting the Lord show you what he wants to show you, letting him be your the source of your, your newfound knowledge of what I cling to, and let him now fill your heart, your soul, with his presence and his new way of living this freedom in relationship. So I think that would be my suggestion. I can't wait to get started. Thank you so much, Father Anthony. You've been listening to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. This episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for... The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick.